we get to part two. Is that all right? So we talked Sunday, and I want to again encourage all of us in this room, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Turn to your neighbors, couple neighbors, and tell them, let your light shine. I'll give maybe a little bit of recap and then we'll move forward, but uh, we know that there are many things uh, in the word of the Lord that we have been instructed to pray for, and um, but we also have learned over the course of the last several years uh, through the teaching revelation of the word of the Lord that uh, there are some things that we aren't supposed to pray for, Right? For instance, we are not to pray for God to show up in a service. We're not to pray for God to fall in a service because he's living on the inside of you and I. We are to live our lives in such a way as to allow him to flow freely out of us in a service. John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. How many have received the Spirit of Almighty God? And so we are to live our lives in such a way for the Holy Ghost to flow out of us in, uh, in a service setting. We aren't, uh, we aren't to pray for power. For we received all the power necessary to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish when we received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He cannot answer that prayer for more power because he already has filled you with all the power you could ever have. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We are not to pray for greater anointing, for the anointed one has already filled us totally and completely. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. It doesn't go anywhere. You don't have to pray for it to come upon you if it never leaves you. It abides in you. We are not to pray for the devil to be defeated because he was already defeated. Why would we pray for something that's already happened? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. He, The Son of God manifest in the flesh that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he do it? Did the cross destroy the works of the devil? He's already destroyed. He's already defeated. So why do we pray for him to be defeated? So instead of praying for things that we already have or for things that have already happened, we need to instead be praying for greater revelation of what we have and greater revelation of what has already taken place. We don't need to pray for more power. We need to pray for revelation of the power we have. We don't need to pray for greater anointing. We need to pray for greater understanding and revelation of the anointing that we already have. Somebody said amen. So uh, we, we, we need to pray. Uh, we need to pray these things, greater revelation, understanding the devil's been already been defeated, and that we only give him the power to do what he does when we believe his lies. You say, well, why, if he's already defeated, then why can he do this and such and lie, steal, kill, and destroy? It's because we believe his lies. 
And when we believe his lies, we relinquish our power to him. He works it back against us in the form of stealing, killing, and destroying. And yet, another area that we need, and I believe this is what God's trying to talk to us about uh, beginning on Sunday and, and, and moving into today. Another area that we need revelation concerning what this book has to say is that we do not need to pray for the harvest. For so long, this concept that if we pray hard enough and if we pray long enough, then one day our harvest will become a reality. One day our church will grow. If we just pray for it enough, if we just pray hard enough for it, one day we'll see this promised revival. One day we'll see this promised harvest that's been prophesied about. We need to understand that this is not to be what we are to do. This is not what we are to believe, that if we pray long enough, we'll see harvest. And if we pray hard enough, we'll see harvest. For as we read this last Sunday, look at it again. Jesus said this, John chapter 4, verse 35, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. These words from Jesus should completely change our mindset about our promised revival. For to say that we will see it one day and we will witness our great revival one day and to say that it's, you know, it's, it's not ready yet, it's not available yet, but if we pray hard enough for it, it'll get ready and it'll be ready. If we you know, do all this stuff, it, it, it'll then be ready. One day, that is against what the word of the Lord is telling us. The Lord is very plainly showing us that the harvest is ready right now. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's ready right now. The harvest of lost souls is ready to be received right now. We don't have to wait for anything else to happen. We don't have to wait for God to do anything else. We don't have to wait for our world to change. Well, when this happens in our world and that happens in the world and we get the right person in the right places in our world, then we're going to really, the church is really going to be able to grow and prosper and have revival. No, no, no. The harvest is ready right now. It is absolutely ready. It is absolutely waiting to be harvested into the church right now. Nothing else needs to happen. We don't have to pray for it. So the next logical thought process in Bible study tonight, the next logical thought process we should have is that if the harvest is ready, which Jesus says it is, if the harvest is available to us right now, which Jesus already promised us that it was, but if we are not experiencing the harvest, then where is the disconnect? Where is the breakdown? Jesus would answer that question when he said this, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, just a little recap from Sunday. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The word laborer literally means one who toils in the field, but figuratively it means one who teaches. So the issue isn't that no one wants to hear. The issue is that there's a lack of, of those who are willing to teach, willing to talk, willing 
to speak about Jesus to a lost world. This is the issue. This is the breakdown. The harvest isn't the problem. The laborers are the problem. This is letting us know that as Pentecostals, we can gather together every day if we want to and have a five-hour prayer meeting for the lost, but that is never going to usher in the harvest. Now, I'm, I'm for prayer meetings. I'm the prayer coordinator for Illinois. So I, I believe in prayer. But we can gather together every day for five hours and pray for the harvest, and we're not going to see it. We could have all kinds of fast days, and we're not going to see it. If all we're doing is praying and fasting for the harvest, we're never going to see it. The book would say it another place like this. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, again, we talk about this all the time, but so many people discount themselves because they say, well, I'm not a preacher. Preacher there means one who publishes or proclaims the message of the king. Everybody in the house can publish or proclaim the message of the king. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This lost world is never going to cry out to Jesus because we're praying for them to cry out to Jesus. They're going to cry out to Jesus because they first believed. And they're only going to believe because they first heard about Jesus. And they're only going to hear about Jesus if they are taught by someone about who he is. See this? So you and I just having good church on Sunday isn't going to bring about the harvest. Bunch of apostolic people having rocking church on Sunday is not going to bring about the harvest. You and I just talking in tongues on a Sunday isn't going to bring it about. You and I just living holy isn't going to bring it about. You and I just returning our tithes and volunteering for some in-house ministry is not going to bring about the harvest. If we want to see this harvest, not just talk about it, but we want to see it, this harvest that has been promised to us, then it is absolutely essential for you and I to teach those in our worlds about Jesus. So that they can be delivered from sin, so that they can be delivered from the darkness, so they can be delivered from the bondage that they currently find themselves in. The harvest is not the problem. You and I just need to become willing to labor in the field, share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world, to a hurting world, to a world that doesn't know who he is, so that they can come to the light of revelation concerning who Jesus Christ is. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, there's, there's a verse that I quote often uh, at the beginning of a service. And I, and I saw it I saw it in somewhat of a, uh, a new light the other day. And I, I feel it's applicable to what we're discussing here. Psalms chapter 122 and verse 1. Psalms chapter 122 and verse 1, a song of degrees of David. David the psalmist is writing this and he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, 
we know that we don't have to be in the house of the Lord to see lives changed, right? We understand that we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We understand that the power of the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of us. Wherever we go, the healer is. Wherever we go, the deliverer is, the savior is. And so healing and deliverance and salvation can happen anywhere we go because wherever we go, as we are, uh, as he is, so are we in this world. The Bible says. And yet, there is something special that happens. How many know that when, when we gather together into uh, this place and we gather together in one mind and one accord? The Bible specifically would tell us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together because there's something special that happens when you gather together corporately to worship and magnify Jesus. In this house, how many know there's breakthrough in this house? doesn't have to happen in the house, but breakthrough happens in this house. There's deliverance in this house. There's healing in this house. There's salvation and hope and restoration in this house. And so I want you to see exactly now what David was saying in that verse. For he says that he was glad when they, speaking of someone else, invited him or encouraged him. Come on. Let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when somebody told me, invited me, encouraged me, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when somebody told me because when I showed up, I found deliverance. And when I heeded their call and said yes to their invitation. I found hope for my weary soul and I found light in my dark night and I found salvation for my sin sick soul. Come on. I was glad when somebody told me let's go to the house of the Lord and I just have to believe there are many people out there that would love to be able to say one day I was so glad when Sister Vera said come on let's go to the house of the Lord. I was so glad when Brother Ron said, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was so glad when Brother Frank and Sister Stephanie saw me at the restaurant and said, come on, you need to come to the house of the Lord because when I got there, it changed my life. When I showed up, my life was never the same again. I was saved that day. I was forgiven that day and my life's never been the same. Come on, my home was put back together that day. My life was put back together that day. I was glad when they said unto me, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. The only way this world is going to be able to experience what we experience around here every Sunday is if we say, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. How many know everybody needs to feel what we're feeling? Everybody needs to experience what we're experiencing. Come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Thank you. Now, I, I want to I help some of us right now. I, I, uh, I want to show again quickly something we discussed on Sunday. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. So we understand this is where the disconnect is. This is where the issue lies. Harvest isn't a problem. God's not the problem. 
The problem is with the laborers. So it says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth. Somebody say send forth. Now we already talked about this on Sunday, but just briefly let me recap. That word phrase, send forth, means to eject with great violence. To drive out, to cast out, to expel with great force. It's not a little soft thing. It's a very aggressive thing. So we see that for God to get us from where we are to the place he desires for us to be as laborers together with him. It's going to require that he confronts us strongly. Right? Send forth. To confront us strongly. And let's just be real. How many know that's probably what we need? If, if it could have been something easy, we would have already been in the field. Right? But if we're not in the field, it's probably because we need something a little bit more. <laughs> I'm not saying something negative. I'm just saying, you know, we just need to have a, a real encounter, a greater encounter, a greater burden for the things of God and the, and the lostness of our world, for it to shake us to our core. And I believe that happened around here on Sunday. I really do. I believe there was some people's lives had that sinned forth encounter. And I don't want you to lose that, okay? I want you to keep it. But if this, so, so, so everybody say con confront. 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 This sin forth. It's a confrontation. It's expelling us, pushing us out. It's a confrontation. He's got to shake us from where we are and move us to where he wants us to be. How many know that that's a confrontational thing? And so, I believe that there are some, and uh, this, uh, this past Sunday in our ministry training, I had all of those involved in ministry training to write down uh, what their number one issue is that keeps them from the harvest, that keeps them from evangelizing like they know they are, are called to do. And I was reading through some of these things, and we want to try to help uh, people to overcome some of this stuff and, and to see truth and to overcome some of these lies of the enemy. And, and some of the things, uh, I, I think there might be several in the room that would relate to this. And so I, I want to take maybe the remainder of my time this evening and just try to help us with this one particular thing. People are hesitant to reach out to others because they're afraid that they won't know what to say. Or that they'll say the wrong thing. Well, I, just, I just don't know what I'm going to say. It's not that I don't love people. It's not that I don't love souls. It's just, you know, to have this conversation with somebody, I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to say. And, and, I, and I for sure don't want to say the wrong thing. Now, here's where I feel like the Lord wants to confront us, okay? So we're probably not going to run the aisles tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's quiet right now. But I feel like the Lord would want to confront us, send us forth, confront us. With this, because whereas I, I, I completely understand that those feelings might have kept us out of the harvest, these feelings of an inadequacy of vocabulary, understanding the word of the Lord, these, these things, or trying to say, or maybe saying the wrong thing. I understand that those feelings might have kept us out of the harvest. 
But I believe the bigger issue is that it's just possible for some of us that those feelings have kept us out of the harvest for the last 15 years. We'll just let that sink in. And so 15 years ago, we were saying, I just don't know what to say. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. And for the past 15 years, we have used the excuse of, I don't know what to say. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. So the bigger issue we should probably get honest about is that we have used that same excuse for 15 years. Man, it's quiet right now. The bigger issue is not that we don't know what to say. The bigger issue is that we haven't learned what to say for 15 years. So, just be transparent with you. My issue is I I don't do well with new people. I'm not talking about in the church. I'm just talking about meeting new people in general. People that know me, my wife would attest to this. I am the world's worst small talker. Okay, I despise small talk. I'm not good at it. I don't know how to do it. I'm just like, (laughs) I mean, it's just horrible. I mean, (laughs) this is somewhat embarrassing, but true. A couple years ago, uh, you know, Brother Reem has been there uh, because of the Times Conference and in, in Alexandria, we go every year, and there's all these people and all these pastors, and there's people that I know, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I know them. I know their name, but that's like the extent of it. And so when it gets past, hey, how are you? Fine, how are you? Uh, I don't know what, you know, bye. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. You know, and I feel like an idiot. And, you know, and so, <laughs> so literally, literally, a week before this conference is delivered, I get on YouTube and I search how to small talk. And for an hour and a half, I'm watching videos of how to have small talk conversation. Because I'm just not good. I'm just not good with that. I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm just not good. With that, you know, we have our month of outreach, and, and I gear up for it, and I love it, and I'm there, and I'm so excited when I get back, and, and you know, talking to all the people in the, in, the, in the community. I love all that. But how many know some people, it, that comes easy? Okay, that comes easy. It doesn't come easy to me. My wife can talk to anybody. My mom can talk to anybody. My mom can talk to the telemarketer for an hour and a half. In those situations, I always, mom, come here, come here, come here, come here. I always wanted my mom with me. Okay, you talk. Just, I'll just stand here. I'll interject, but you talk. So some people, they, it just, it's just natural. Who, you know, they, they can talk to anybody about anything. That's just not me. I got to gear up for that. Crowds and all that kind of stuff. Man, I, I gear up for it, and I'll, I'll do it, and I'll talk as best as I possibly can, but when it's done, Man, I am drained. It's over. You know how some people are like rejuvenated after all that? They're like, ah. I'm like, ugh. So, so, but, but here's the thing. 
The bigger issue with all of that is this. How long can I use that as an excuse to not be involved in the harvest? Do, it, do I really think I could stand before the Lord and tell him that I, I didn't, you know, I was uncomfortable talking with people? And he'd be like, oh, okay, I understand. You are exempt from reaching out to the people I died for because you had a difficult time talking to people. No. So, so yes, I can use that excuse, and it may sound valid on the outside, and people might go, oh, okay, I understand, but how long could I use that excuse for? If I'm still using it 15 years later, there's something wrong. And so back, back to some other people's, you know, struggles that, you know, I, I just don't know what to say. And I just don't want to say the wrong thing. I understand you have those feelings. But the bigger issue is why do we still have those feelings a decade later? A decade later. So think, just think with me now. How many know, let's take, we're not talking about church now. We're not talking about evangelism. We're not talking about the Bible. We're just talking about life in general. How many know there are things in our lives that we don't understand? Or that we're not good at, right? Or that we're uncomfortable with. And how many of you just kept doing those things until you got better at them? Because you had to. Come on now. How many know first day on a new job? There's new computer whatevers and there's new things and there's new filing systems and there's new, I don't know. Whatever. And your first day, it's overwhelming. The first day, you're like, I don't know anything. I am totally lost. But guess what you did the next day? You went back to work. And you went back to work. And you went back to work. Why? Because come Friday, what did you want? So we, uh, so we were willing to learn things that we didn't know for a paycheck. Can't get no help now. Things in areas that we bettered ourselves in regards to relationships. Wanted to be a better husband, better father, better mother, better father, better whatever. And so we learned and we grew. Wasn't anything necessarily spiritual. It's just we wanted to be a better us. Areas... Individuals that you, you wanted to get a diploma, you wanted to get a degree, you wanted to get a certificate, uh, certificate of some sort. And so you had to discipline yourself. And you had to sit and you had to learn and you had to make yourself do something because there was a goal in mind. And there was something you wanted to accomplish. There was something in you that says, I want to obtain that goal. And I'm willing to do what it takes in order to get there. So, so then now we have to ask ourselves as we bring this into the context of what we're talking about this evening, are we willing to put that same amount of effort into doing what we need to do in order to gain knowledge and understanding so that we no longer have the excuse of I don't know what to say? Oh, hallelujah. They don't know what to say. We might say the wrong thing. But here's what the book instructs. Ready? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 
But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Okay, so how many know that this verse is not for everybody else but you? This verse is not just for people with type A personalities. Right? This verse isn't just for people who can talk to anybody about anything. This verse is for all of us. And the word of the Lord is instructing us, and it says, be always ready to give an answer to every man for why you have hope in Jesus Christ. So I, I, I think we would have to admit that our excuses don't really measure up in light of the word of the Lord. Right? For God's word instructs us to have an answer for those that ask us concerning the hope that we have in Christ. So we cannot say that we cannot involve ourselves in the harvest because we don't have the answers. When God is plainly telling us, you are to have the answers. Am I making sense? We cannot say in good biblical conscience that I cannot involve myself in the harvest because I don't have the answers to their questions when God is specifically telling us you need to have the answers to their questions. Mm, hallelujah. So if the Lord is instructing us to have the answers to the questions, then what are we supposed to do to be obedient to that command? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is that the answer? Is that what you would do to get a certificate? Is that what you did to pass high school? Is that what you did to get your college diploma? You studied? Because you wanted to pass? You studied because you wanted a paycheck? So the word of the Lord is saying, I want you to have answers to questions. And we say, oh, I just don't have the answers. I just don't have the answers. So I'm exempt from it because I don't have the answers. No, we're not exempt from it. We are to study to get the answers. So instead of giving the excuse of not knowing the answers, we are to find out what the answers are. So here's my question to all of us today. Now just think with me, just, just logically here. Just think with me. How long do you think it would take you to study the word of the Lord until you would feel reasonably comfortable explaining the gospel to somebody? Now think about this for a minute. You have to understand, 99% of the people you're going to talk to their questions are going to be what like our seven-year-olds that have been in church all their life know. Okay? Now, you might come across some professor someplace sometime. But more than likely, the most amount of people you're going to encounter, their questions are going to be so simplistic. In fact... Most of them probably won't even have a Bible question because they might not even own a Bible. 
their questions are probably just going to be, well, what happened to you? What was your story? Okay? And, I mean, you could tell your story, right? You lived it. (laughs) You were there when it happened. But if they were, you know, you, you get past that part of testifying of, you know, what God did for you, and, and then you wanted to move on to, you know, to the next, which would be the explanation of, of the gospel. Think with me now. How long would it take to study the word of the Lord until you could reasonably explain? Which, again, let me just say this. Individuals that are asking the questions, they're not going to say, well, I need 20 verses to prove it. Most people, they're going to, you show them one verse, okay, two verses, three verses, oh, wow, oh, there's three verses, okay, sure, it's in there. So it's not like you have to have a, a doctorate of understanding. A few verses would probably suffice most people you're talking to. So how long would it take to comfortably explain the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's let's just say, let's say that you were serious about this to the point where you diligently disciplined yourself to take one whole month, one whole month to study nothing but his death and how it represents and relates to our repentance. His death is our repentance. We die out to self, right? We die out to sin. Just as he died out to his flesh, we are to die out to our flesh. Just as he was crucified, we are to be, we are to be crucified with our lusts and sins and all these kind of things. And so you took a whole month to just study out repentance and his death and how it relates to repentance. And then the next month rolls around and you studied out his burial, which represents our baptism in Jesus' name. And just as he was buried into the ground, we are buried into water. Baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. For what? The remission of our sins. This is why we do it in water. This is why we don't sprinkle. This is why it's immersion. The word itself, baptism, means to immerse. That's why nobody ever sprinkled in the You know, in the word of the Lord, in the New Testament, they were always immersed. And everywhere anybody was ever baptized, they were always baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here's the verses that show that. You took a whole month to do that. And then you took a whole month to study his resurrection, which is speaking of our resurrection to newness of life when we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And just as he came up out of the grave, we came up out of the grave. Just as he came to newness of life, we came to newness of life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new when we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do we know that we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Because we're filled with the Holy Ghost like they were in the book of Acts. How were they filled with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts? They had the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And here's the verses. They're filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues, spoke with tongues, spoke with tongues. This is the evidence. The the fruits of the Spirit are in play after you're filled with the Holy Ghost. But the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost is proven by tongues. So I'm just going through here what we would learn. So if you took a whole month 
to learn that. If we did that, listen, I know this is simple, but I just want to help somebody. I want to confront some lies here now. In three months, we could conquer the excuse that we have used for 15 years. Three months. I don't even know that it would take three months, but let's just say we gave ourselves three months. In three months, we could conquer the excuse that we have used for 15 years. So then the question becomes, do we simply want to continue using the excuse or are we willing to do that which is necessary to overcome our lack of knowledge? Now it just comes down to, it's not that you can't know it. It's do you want to know it? Are you willing to do what it takes to know it? Are you willing to put the time in, the study in, the preparation in to have the knowledge? It's not that it's hidden. It's not that it's for everybody but you. It's not that everybody else gets it but you don't get it. It's do you want to put the work in, the study in, as the word of the Lord would instruct us to do in order to understand to the point where you can teach. If we can really realistically conquer that excuse, the question is, are we willing to do it? The book would encourage it another place like this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13. Oh, this is all right tonight. Till I come, give attendance. That word attendance means to apply oneself, to turn the mind to, to be attentive towards. And this isn't just talking about preachers. It's talking about everybody. To what? To reading. To exhortation. To the doctrine. Give attendance. Apply yourself to the reading of the word of the Lord. To the doctrines that are found in the word of the Lord. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Verse 15, meditate upon these things. Think about them. Think about them. Think about them. Think about repentance. Think about baptism. Think about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Think about your testimony. Think about what you can say. Think about how you can weave the, your testimony in with the word of the Lord. And the verses, and man, I could, that verse would fit perfectly with that part of my story. I remember that part of my story when I was running away from God and, and, and I was, came to the house of the Lord, but I was fighting against it. But, but I, I made my decision at that day, I'm going to turn to the Lord. And what is the turning? The turning is repentance. And oh, I got some verses about repentance. And I could put that verse there and I could do this there. It's not like you have to, you know, I, I get up Thursdays and Sundays and I have to preach a new message. You don't have to preach a new message every time you talk to somebody. It's the same one over and over and over again. If you're preaching, I mean, think about it, man. If I had to preach the same message over and over and over and over and over and over, I'd get pretty good at it. Probably bored with it, but preaching, as, you know. But that's not, what I'm telling you is once you get that story, once you get that and that understanding of I can put this verse here and I can do this here. 
You're just telling the same thing over and over and over again. And you're seeing the joy come in their life. And you're seeing light bulbs go on in their life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden the Lord gives you. How many know the word of the Lord tells us we open our mouth and he'll fill it. And all of a sudden something else comes out. And you're like, man, that's good. I want to remember that for the next time. Come on, I'm trying to help us now. I want us to be, I want to be practical about this. I don't want to just talk about, hey, we got to win our world. I want to be practical about how do we do it. Meditate, meditate upon these things. Think about these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Totally, completely give yourself to the understanding and the meditation of the word of the Lord. That thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Now watch. For in doing this, for in doing everything you just told us to do, thou shalt both save thyself, ready, and them that hear thee. What did we talk about at the beginning? We can pray all day long and they're not going to be saved. The only way they're going to be saved is if they hear the truth, the word of the Lord, the doctrine, the salvation, the gospel, the good news. And he said, listen. If you meditate on this stuff and if you apply it and if you turn your mind to it and if you are attentive to it and if you meditate and give yourself wholly to it, he said there's going to be something in you that's going to allow you to speak it and they're going to hear it. And when they hear it, they're going to be saved because of it. But I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Meditate on it. Think about it. Turn your mind to it. And with that knowledge is going to come boldness to speak it. And when they hear it, they will be saved. Ooh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Now, there's another verse I want us to look at. Possibly confront us. And just the word of the Lord to confront us a bit more about this subject we're talking about tonight. For the Apostle Paul, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, would write these words, Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. Now watch, watch, watch. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now, what he is saying here is that we are to be wise, learned, educated, understanding, concerning that which is good, which is speaking of that which is godly and that which is biblical. And we are to be simple or unlearned, even ignorant, concerning that which is evil or worldly. Now, this is, this is going to confront us a little bit, as it should. Because if we are honest, I mean, not everybody, but some in the room, we would need to be convicted of the fact that we have used the excuse of not knowing the Bible for not getting into the harvest. When we know all kinds of stuff about celebrities. What the latest celebrity gossip is. Who's dating who. We know all their names. 
We know who they've been married to. We know all the sports stats. That's quiet right now. We, we know, we know who's, what the standings are. We know what the batting average is. We know who got traded. We know all this stuff. We know all the latest in the hunting and fishing equipment, the latest styles of clothes, what's in, what's out, what's trending, what's not trending. We know about what all of our friends are doing. Got like a thousand friends. You wouldn't know them if you passed them on the street, but they're your friends. Because we spend so much time following them, looking at all their stuff. For whatever reason, we're just so intrigued by what they ate last night and what they're wearing and what they're doing. We know where they're on vacation and we know what house they live in and we know about their cars and we know about their stories and we know about their kids. We know, we know all about all that stuff. And yet then we say, I can't be involved in the harvest because I don't know enough about the word. Right? And Paul was telling us, we are to be wise concerning that which is good. We are to be learned. We are to understand that which is good. We are to pursue after knowledge concerning that which is godly, that which is biblical, that which is truth. And we are to be simple and even ignorant about that which is carnal. I mean, no, it doesn't matter if you don't know who's dating who in Hollywood. What matters if you have a, is if you have a few more verses about baptism in Jesus' name in your mind or in your heart. That's what matters. Doesn't matter if you don't know what team is in first place. What matters is if you can share with confidence mankind's need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. That's what's important. Oh, hallelujah. Doesn't matter if we're caught up on the lives of all of our hundred people we've never met, but yet our, our friends. What matters is that we have confidence in the knowledge of God's word to share it to those who've never heard it. And that when somebody asks us, why do you have so much hope? You've got an answer to tell them. You've got an answer to tell them. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now listen, I know this is confronting tonight, but how many know that's, that's a good thing? How many know if the, if the word is going to send us forth, we got to be confronted with where we are and what we're doing in order to change some things so that we can be what God called us to be. And so we can get to the point where we're done shouting about what will be and we're actually involving ourselves in what is. So how many know, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying, to a close, but how many know that we'll always find time for what we want to do? Hallelujah. Some of those, some of those uh, reasons that were written down on, on the paper from the ministry, those in, in the ministry training talked about how 
We just don't have time. We just don't have time. We just don't have time. We work. We had a family, all this kind of stuff. But the reality is, the reality is, if you were truthful and you were honest, you would say, I have time for what I want to do. I have time for what I want time for. So I feel the Holy Ghost is confronting us about the fact that we need to just put away some uses of our time that are giving us more knowledge about that which is carnal. I'm not even saying it's sinful or evil, just carnal. And we're involving ourselves so we have greater knowledge of that which is carnal. And the Lord is saying, why don't you stop putting so much time in that and be a little bit more ignorant of that so that you may have time to be more knowledgeable about that which is good and that which is godly. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So that you can combat the excuse that you've used for so long. If we've used it for 15 years, what a shame it would be to use it for the next 15 years. When it, it's very easy to fix. The book would say it like this, and I'm, I'm, this is my last page. The book would say it like this, Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law. That phrase, prepared his heart, means Ezra was determined to seek the law, which is what? The word. He was determined to seek the word of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. See, see the progression? When somebody makes up their mind and says, I am determined, determined to seek the word, to learn the word, to know the word, to study the word. The first thing that happens is you begin to live according to the word. And then you have confidence to teach the word. Oh, hallelujah. But just as much as we are determined to do all other things, we need to say, no, 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 I'm not going to do those other things. I'm going to determine, I'm going to make up my mind that I'm not going to go the next four months without getting into the word of the Lord. But in the next three to four months, at the end of those three months, I want to have a knowledge that would allow me to live out my life in such a way where I would be comfortable sharing the gospel, sharing my testimony with someone. Determined. Determined. And every day, every day I'm determined. Every day I'm determined. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 15. The psalmist says, watch, I will meditate in thy precepts. Precepts is the word. And have respect unto thy ways. Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. Again, the word. I will not forget thy word. You want to know how you'll not forget it? If it becomes your will. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
Listen, how many know we can be inspired all day long to study the word of the Lord? We can be inspired all day long to get the word of the Lord in our hearts so that we can be used in the harvest. But until it becomes our will, it's never going to happen. It has to get to the place where, like the psalmist, you say, I will meditate on the word of the Lord. I will delight myself in the laws of God. I will do this. I will read it. I will study it. I will figure this out. I will get a hold of this so it clicks in my mind. I will get comfortable with this knowledge in order to share it with those around me. And I close with this because this is what real harvest looks like. You want to know what real harvest looks like? This is what real harvest looks like. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So he's saying this. I taught the word to you. You got the word in you. You got the word in your heart. You got the word in your mind. And you shared it with somebody else. And those people got the word in their heart and in their mind. And guess what they did? They shared it with somebody else. Oh, hallelujah. Think about this now. We, I, I told you on Sunday, this pandemic is spreading through our world. Why can't the gospel spread through our world? Think about this. Just this verse right here. If you shared it with somebody, and they shared it with somebody, and they shared it with somebody, but not just one person in the house shared it, but if everybody in the house shared it with somebody, and they shared it with somebody, and they shared, come on somebody, you want to talk about a spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a harvest? That's a harvest. You want to talk about a revival? That's a revival right there. I'm sharing it with somebody, they're sharing it with somebody, they're sharing it with somebody. Why? Because they get the word in their heart. They get the word in their mind. They get the word in their soul and they say, i got to share it with somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the revival I want to see. That's the harvest that's been promised to us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Serena Tapp shared it with you. Now you got to share it. On and on and on we go. On and on and on we go. Brother Tapp, sorry. Sister Serena, sorry. Man, you want to talk about a harvest? You want to talk about a revival? A harvest that couldn't even fit in this room. If everybody in this place told somebody and they told somebody and they told somebody, we wouldn't even come close to fitting in this room. Oh, hallelujah. And I know even when I say that, people are like, well, we've heard preachers talk about that for years, revival that, you know, building can't even contain. Well, it's not the harvest issue. And it's not a God issue. It's a labor issue. So before we start getting negative about it, yeah, I've heard it for years. Well, let's start doing something and see it. Let's start doing what we're supposed to do and see it become a reality. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands, would you? Receive the word of the Lord.
Would you receive the word of the Lord? God, I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. Help us, oh God. Help us to get your word into our hearts. God, I pray somebody in this room, I pray all of us in this room, would get a greater desire to study your word, to dig into your word, to understand your word. God, we're going to be quick to give you praise.